How you doing? Welcome to tonight's late show. We haven't done a late show in quite a while. This is pretty late as far as it goes, but you know what? I'm really glad to do it. Really excited about tonight's guest. Uh, got uh, a lot of questions. Want to want to pick brains and learn things and whatnot. Um, this guest. Well, I mean, why do I always bury the lead? Because we already know who the guest is because you see it on the goddamn fucking thumbnail. So like, why, why do we play court? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, in any case, welcome tonight's show, Pizza Punk. We're doing a Pizza Punk episode and we have Erin Micklow and she has a channel called Last Rock. Well, it's, it's her channel, but she does a thing called Last Rockers TV. I'm sure you're all familiar with it in some way, shape or form. I, you know, I have, I've been seeing Aaron for quite some time, just casually on social media. I always see her interviewing somebody. Um, she has a very iconic hairstyle uh, that really helps, like, you know, pops, really, really um, adds to the brand, you know, in the same way that I always wear sunglasses and a hat, which is a lot easier to do than, than um, you know, doing the, the what we're going to find out. We're going to find out how that process works. It sounds like it's a could be a whole production. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Let's welcome, without further ado, let's welcome uh, Aaron Micklow from Last Rockers TV. Aaron, hello. Hi. Welcome to Pizza Punk. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm really, really happy you could uh, do this. And um, it's it's so funny. I'm As I was just saying, I'm, I'm always, you know, coming across some form of content that you've put out on, you know, on YouTube, the algorithm sends me punk related things. And uh, you seem to be, I mean, you're like, you're like boots on the ground correspondent for so many things that are happening out in the LA way. I'll be randomly watching a, a video of like Glenn Danzig at the, at, at uh, the premiere of his new movie. And there you are in the background with your spiky hair and stuff. Uh, it's, it's hard to miss. Um, how are you tonight? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. Sorry, I'm, I'm a bit tardy tonight. I had some work stuff holding me up today. And, hey, you know, the hair the hair takes a minute. <laughs> that's no problem. I was well. Let's get the hair stuff out of the way for a minute. So, this is a very very interesting hairstyle. Um, how? Like, what made you? Like, is this is this like? Uh, is it conscientiously or like this is like my thing? This is what I like. Or like, how did you how did you come upon this hairstyle? Do you have a name for it? What is its name? Um, so this hairstyle is called Liberty Spikes, and um, it's it's a classic punk hairstyle. And you know, I I, I do get a, a lot of criticisms that people think that this just happened overnight or whatever. But in reality, I've been spiking my hair for over ten years, well before I started my show. You know, well before I became you know a known person on social media. And it really just came out of, um, I was in Germany one summer with, with my ex-husband We when we were together at the time. And my ex-husband had a big mohawk. And I just remember being in, in his room and like looking at some punk posters. And I was bored and I was like, you know, I want to have some cool punk hair. But, you know, being a professional model actress, that's my job. I was like, well, I don't really want to commit to like a haircut that limits roles for me. And so I was like, well, what can I do? And I remember he said to me, he's like, well, you can do Liberty Spikes. And I was like, ooh, really? That sounds really fun. Because I'd been into punk for many years before that. You know, I just didn't have like a very loud punk hairstyle, which 
it's like you're damned if you do you damned if you you don't because i get criticized a lot yeah for for being like oh this is my punk costume but then at the same time you go to a punk show and there's a lot of people that don't have the punk aesthetic at all and so it's like i get criticized for being looking too punk and it being a costume and then i get criticized for when my hair's down that oh i don't have my hair up all the time and it's just such a a weird thing to me because it's like you know i was into punk for so many years before i my clothes didn't really change much but it was like you know one day i was like i want to have a cool punk hairstyle you know i think it's rad and <laughs> Thank you. i i like it a lot i think it's great and you know as they always say you know we can't curse anymore on youtube i don't know if you've been made aware of youtube's new no you didn't do any cursing i don't think you cursed at all oh, i did i've been trying to limit it to like no 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 i don't think i don't <laughs> think you did i'm saying i don't think you did i'm just saying that i was about to say generally i would say f the haters but now i'm only going to say f the haters because of YouTube's draconian new policies. Apparently, if you say uh, a curse word within your first, like, uh, beginning of at the beginning of the show, your whole uh, thing will be demonetized. That's like, oh, the wow, new, yeah, it's like the new rule. So, like, it, it's it's crazy. I, I, you know, it's funny. I haven't even like had a moment to really even think about it. But I was about to say f the haters. So instead, I'm just saying f the haters. I was not aware of that, but like with with doing my TikTok live streams, like whenever I spike my hair, I just do a live stream on TikTok because I'm standing in my bathroom for an hour to an hour and a half anyway. And um, with TikTok live streams, uh, they do not like you to curse either. And so I remember even one of them, it was it was a day where I was swearing and I literally got a notification on my screen saying, um, we're showing your live stream to less people because of these things. So it's, it's getting in those new habits of, you know, trying not to. <laughs> By the way, just out of curiosity, um, when Aaron talks right now, anybody who might be watching this, when Aaron talks, does it like slow down and then like go fast? Just let me know out there, because if so, I just want to troubleshoot it. So maybe it's just my earphones. I don't know. We got to keep going. We got to roll with the show, because that's how it works. When you're doing live streams, you just got to roll with the punches. So whatever it is, we'll, we'll troubleshoot it as we, we converse and talk. What's up? We have Riot stickers in the audience tonight as well. Hello, Riot. Um, I wonder if it's my AirPods. Yeah, everybody watching, um, how is the audio? Yeah, let, just let us know. Yeah. Okay. I hear... So I think it's my it's my AirPods. Let me just take them out. Okay. Okay. Try pulling them out. Let's see what happens. Are you still there? Are you still there? Yes. Yes. Now there's. Oh no. Oh no. The dreaded the feedback loop. <laughs> this wouldn't be a from a show. This is such a from a show thing. Let me see. Hello. Check. Check. Oh no. Now you're now you're muted. Oh no. Aaron. Aaron, can you hear me? You can hear me. I can't hear you. Oh, no. I can't hear you, though. Hold on. See if you can tweak the thing. I'm going to I'm gonna keep talking so I'm not, so it's not just us. Okay, so anyway, while Aaron fixes that thing. So to, to reiterate what some of what she's saying, in case you missed it, I heard uh, heard some of it. You know, um, she has this punk style, punk hairstyle. Um, it's, it's part of her panache. We all have our panache. I have my panache. Hello, Aaron. Can you hear me? It just, I could have sworn I just heard some sort of audio thing. Eh, you know, it's better that it happens now. I'll tell you, when we had Steve Zing on recently, it was like the first 15 minutes were messed up. Like we couldn't figure out the audio. It was, it was a, it was a whole, uh, it, it was a whole thing. 
Yeah, Jesse says it was a strange sound. What's going on, Eddie? I don't know. Um, maybe we can do some sort of we can we can write on boards and then hold them up. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Um, no, I can't. Still can't hear you. Still can't hear you. I'll, I'll keep talking while she keeps. And I, you know what? It was the mistake of, 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 uh, I, we should have just dealt with that, the earbuds. Cause the ear, cause sometimes this it's the software. I really blame the software. The software can be so buggy. Sometimes I am always having technical difficulties. So I, I don't blame AirPods generally work here and we don't have these issues. It's so weird. Um, yeah, Von Spur says that the audio was a little weird. There was like a little wobble. That's what I was doing. No, uh, you know what, Aaron, you want to try and come back in? Come back in. Come back into the thing. All right, Aaron's going to come back in. I'm going to keep us entertained. So in any case, if you have not been to Aaron's channel, you should check it out. I mean, Aaron, has, Aaron is a much, I mean, she has about, uh, you know, she has, she has uh, uh, almost uh, 55,000 subscribers. So. We are a drop in the bucket compared to her audience and what she does. But she, man, she talks to everybody. She talks to Doyle. Okay, she's back. She's back. She talks to. She just had a uh, Gogol uh, Bordello on her on her channel. Hello. Hi. Can you yes. hear me now? Yes. Okay. It's something like with connecting and disconnecting the AirPods, and I think um, I don't I don't know what it is. So sorry, everybody watching. F That's these okay. AirPods. Try not to swear. <laughs> <laughs> So many rules, so many rules on this channel. Um, no, but yeah. So how did you get, so tell me, how did you get into, how did you get into uh, sort of being, I don't know, is, is correspondent, like I understand that you're, you're, a, you're an actress and a model and you do, you're, you're a Renaissance woman. You do a lot of stuff, but is there like, um, uh, I guess you would call that stuff like, you know, being a correspondent, right? Or like, you know, an interviewer, like, well, how did you get into all that sort of stuff? Um, well, my channel's five years old now, and it, it literally was just that, you know, being into punk for half my life now, when I moved to LA, when I was 18 years old, I just was going to punk shows, you know, and I would, I would meet people and make friends and I just made friends with a lot of bands. And then it became, you know, social media kind of was starting to pop off more. I joined Instagram in 2012 when I saw things were changing. Like a lot of the modeling jobs that I was getting started to become obsolete because they were kicking product to influencers. So I kind of resisted social media for a bit. And I also feel like I was a bit late to the game because it was like there was the MySpace era, which I never participated in. But when Instagram came on, it it changed things in such a bigger way. And so I joined Instagram and, you know, started posting on there and then was just active on social media. And I would go to shows and I would post about going to shows and I would always take my outfit pictures before going to the show because I made a lot of my clothes. And it became that thing of there's that spiky haired girl. She's at every show. Why is she here? Why is she always backstage? Why is she always with the bands? And then I started to question it myself of like, well, what am I doing here? Like, what is my purpose? Like, yeah, I'm a model, but what is my purpose here in this scene? And then um, five years ago, 2017, I remember a girlfriend of mine and I being, being on the phone and like talking about, you know, we were talking about this band interview we watched and I was like, God, this is really 
this is really terrible. This person is doing an awful job. And like, I was like, I could do so much better. And she was like, you should. And I was like, yeah, I should. And she was like, no, seriously, you should start interviewing bands. And, you know, I had all the camera equipment and stuff because my ex-husband and I would do photo shoots um, so that I would have content for social media because I saw that that was very popular. So really for me, it was just adding in audio gear um, to my kit and then kind of just learning how to do it. And because I knew so many bands already, it was like that was how I started. I just started reaching out to the people I knew, which surprisingly... It was it was hard like even a lot of bands that i knew just were not into it like i don't think they believed in what i was doing and they were just like mm. <laughs> so it was it was actually really hard to just even get people to be on my show at all when i first started wow um yeah man i mean it's like you just gotta you gotta start somewhere and you just gotta put you know you put the boots to the ground just go into it and just sort of uh, try and find your, you know, the flavor of what it is that you do. You know, it's funny. Uh, I had thought initially I used to do a show that that was like uh, rock and roll or was, you know, whatever, punk rock and cooking. And we used to do that in person. And I wanted to do a variation of that after I had split with the guy that I had done that with. And I ended up just doing it all digitally online. It's so easy to just, you know, click in. This has become like the new format for interviews. You just you know, have somebody on digitally, doesn't matter where they are. But like the, what you do is very sort of like different in the sense that like, you know, you're actually in these environments, you got to have the gear around. Um, you probably learn, I would imagine you, there's all sorts of like, you know, things like you, you probably know how to read people really well. Like you could figure out who this guy is or who that person is or whatever in order to negotiate and navigate um, the various different, you know, events that you cover. Uh, can you speak a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, I think like what a lot of people don't see is is the amount of work that goes in before the interview is even filmed. Um, because like, you know, that that's always the, probably the most stressful part is all of the prep. Yeah. Even just, first of all, it starts with securing the interview and reaching out and just really <laughs> having, having a strong pitch of like, hey, here's my numbers, this is what I've got going on. And like, thankfully now, just because of all the hard work I've done and, and how many bands I've interviewed, it's getting a little easier because people are, artists are familiar with me when I do reach out, which helps a lot. It helps to secure a yes. And, you know, I do still get no's um, and I take those no's to motivate me to, to turn them into yeses later. Um, not, not every no, but like, because some no's are just hard no's of like some artists just don't do press. They don't want to do press. And like, I'm never right. going to chase somebody that it's, it's just a hard no. But if it's something like, you know, I can tell that they're passing because they say, oh, they don't have time this time around or whatever. It usually is because sometimes they genuinely don't have time. The shows are busy. Maybe my outlet's a little too small. They don't have time because they're giving their time to the larger press outlets you know, any number of reasons. But for those ones, I kind of take it as like, okay, a no, not right now. Like just this past weekend, um, I, I was given the opportunity to interview um, John Feldman from Goldfinger. And that was one that like, 
you know, three, four years ago when he was doing his Back to the Beach Festival, my channel was really young then. I did reach out to request an interview and, and I got a, a, a pass, which I didn't take offense to it. You know, it was his festival they were playing. He had a lot on his plate, but it just, it made me want to work harder. And, you know, sure. four years later, here it is. I get my interview with him, which that one will be coming to my channel in the next couple of weeks. And it was, it was a big deal. And during the interview, Tony Hawk walks in and you know i had the balls to be like hey actually um this kind of pertains to you do you want to sit in on this real quick and he did it well congratulations on that that is definitely a victory and i'll tell you i you know i have experienced this you know long before i even was on youtube i was interviewing a lot of musicians and a lot of people and i was told no quite often and it's like you know it's it's kind of like the thing about getting a no is that I have to like add I have to pretend that there's more to the sentence. It's like no, not now. Yeah. Right. You have to add the not now for yourself, and then you can you know like circle circle around and try it again and try it again. And you know people change management too, or they change you know lots of vibes change. You don't you really don't know what's going on on the other side when you know, you're asking when you're soliciting interviews and stuff. So it's like, it's, it's a good, that's a good temperament to have, I think in, in, in that realm, you know? Yeah. And you know, honestly, like I'll, I'll share with you what I've been doing recently is like my first, you know, few years of doing my show, I always went through management because I was just trying to mind my P's and Q's and, sure. and you know, like do things by the book, especially because I started my channel doing the festivals and with the festivals, it's like credentials on top of credentials on, on top of credentials. It's like, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Explain it's Cause I'm not familiar with that. Explain that to me a little bit, uh, elaborate on that if you would. So please. the festival circuit is like, you know, it's, it's rounds of applications. And so first I would apply for a media credential to a festival and um, you know, thankfully I, I would get approved and I was like, I was the new one in. So I would come with all my little treats and things to kind of just give me a little extra leg up on, on top of working really hard. Sure. Um, you know, just to, to be memorable and, and make friends in the industry and, and show that my work is good. And then with that, it's like first you get approved for your your festival credentials, and then you have to like you get your photo pass as well, which is hard to get. A lot of them they'll say, okay, you have media, and I would explain that you know the nature of my channel is interviews and live footage cut in. So I'm sorry, but right. I need both. And that was even kind of a special exception that they would make for me because they're like, well, we don't normally do this, and that was where you know I just do my best to be persuasive and say, explain, here's the reasons why I need it. And here's my work and here's my following. And here's the numbers of my outlet of my audience. Sure. And so then from there, you have to then reach out to all of the, the artists management to get an interview secured. And then you are as the press outlet, you are not allowed backstage unless you have an interview secured. So then when you have an interview secured, I would forward that to the, the um, people handling the press for the festival and say, okay, here's proof of my secured interview. And then they would escort me backstage. <laughs> right. And so it was just so many hoops in that way. And then getting known in that world because a lot of those SoCal festivals at the time was the same PR company and they developed some sort of trust for me that they would let me be backstage because then it was one of the other then because I knew so many bands also the band right. would just give me a pass as well. So it was like literally which credential do you need? I've got it for you. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's really, man, it's really about cultivating relationships and yeah, like reading people really and like, 
Trust, yeah, trust. sure, trust. But like, you know, I mean, that's what that's what cultivating relationships is, though, right? Like, you know, you 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 get to know someone, you trust them, and I'll tell you, you know, in in this realm, I would imagine that your 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 liberty spikes are like an asset in the sense that, like, you know, it it really does sort of like put together this look, like, you know, it, it's memorable, you know, it it's sort of like, you know, it, it creates a persona. It's like, hey, this is my channel. These are my numbers. This is my thing. Like, this is what I'm about. Like, you know, let's do this. And like, you know, you can get in there and do it. Um, that's pretty rad. And, you know, I got to tell you, whew, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, the, 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 the work that you put into it, it's probably <laughs> it's not one person job. It's like you know, three people jobs. And, you know, so question, do you have someone shooting you when you go in or generally do you set up your gear and you just like post up and, and do your thing? When I first started my show, my ex-husband was my assistant. And, um, you know, even though our relationship did not end amicably, um, I, I will give him credit for being there in the beginnings of my channel, but he just never had the fervor or the passion for it that I did. And he didn't want to do it anymore. He's like, I don't want to do this. I just want to be a patron at the shows. And so then it became that I would bring on assistance because for, for me, this is everything. It makes me so happy sure. and it, it's just what I want to do. And, you know, I, I could respect that, that it just, it just wasn't what he wanted to do and that's fine, but it, it wasn't going to stop me from doing it. So I brought on assistance and, you know, just the environment being backstage can be very overwhelming, especially if you're not used to it because there's a lot going on. And with what I do, it's like, you know, it's me now that I self shoot everything. Like I, it became the route of seeing that assistants would be overwhelmed because yeah, they, they're right there in front of their favorite artists, which I, I get starstruck too, but being a, a working professional model and actress, you know, for the last nearly 20 years, I'm just used to it, you know, like I'm used to like, okay, I'm nervous. And I, like, I super am excited to see this person right now, but it's time to be professional also. I, man, that is so true. And it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like you have to vet. It's almost like, Hey, I got to vet this person. If this person's going to help me, I got to vet them. I got to make sure that they are going to be able to hold their water when we're in this environment. And not only do they have to perform, but as you said, like, it's like, I get, you know, they have to remain, you know, cordial and professional and, and hold a certain air. Cause not only, you know, I mean, they are an extension of you. And yeah. your relationships with these or, you know, whatever, trust, whatever, however you want to put it, all of that is is connected at the end of the day or at least uh, affected by this person's or people's behavior. I have a question from the audience that I think is a good question uh, from uh, Kevin, who also does. Uh, well, I mean, he covers events. He he also does. He has his own show and he does interview stuff, too. Uh, he he want, He's asking, what is your dream interview and has it happened yet? I mean, I've, I've been really fortunate to have gotten a lot of them. Um, some of them uh, that I like, this year, one of them that it was like almost like we had kind of established contact, but couldn't make it happen was, was Buzzcocks. Um, that one would have oh, been really man. cool. I, I will say that that one hopefully will happen at a later time since we were able to establish contact and like mutually Steve, agree. Like, Steve Diggle. Yeah, that we that we were into it. Um, but it's just it wasn't it wasn't possible at the Rebellion Festival um, over the summer. Um, you know, this year, like having having interviewed Feldy 
and then running into um, Modson at the show Saturday night. I'm, I'm hoping to get Modson on my channel next. I was able to get some contact information and he said that he'd be open to it. And then obviously circling in, in that world, like I would love to get Avril Lavigne on my show. I know she's maybe oh, like, nice. people, people say what they want about her, but like for, for me, that would be a bucket list. Cause I, I love that she's making a resurgence. You know, I, I listened to her for, for, what her music is and like her music came out when i was in like sixth grade and it, it was the sh it was the shit at, and when i was six, in sure. sixth grade and like i feel like you know a lot of the songs she's releasing now are really good but it's just different different kinds of of music you know like when i'm in a real aggressive mood i'm gonna listen to something like anti-minor league but like if i'm in like maybe a happier or like kind of emo mood i'd listen to something like young blood you know or if i'm in the mood of like jumping around and like working class like it's maybe something like Hawksbar or uh like we want to go fuck shit up but like be poppy about it like maybe something like rancid you know it's like what mood are you in and it's just all different kinds of music for the mood sure i mean i you know I mean, that's the problem. The, one of the biggest problems, I think, and it's almost sort of like paradoxical, and it kind of like touched, you kind of touched it on on it earlier about like, again, going back to this idea of like, you know, haters or people that just like, they they sort of like, it's funny how they use criteria. There's specific criteria about what makes you punk or what makes you not punk. And it could be any variety of things. and it's like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, music fits a mood and whatever, you know, you're, whatever you're interested in listening to in that moment is valid. And, yeah. <laughs> that's, it. and that's it. It's a, like that end of discussion. You know what I mean? Like straight up, like who freaking cares, man? Um, you know, I, um, I really love the Buzzcocks, and I was fortunate enough. I got to see them once with um, Peter Shelley and uh, at uh, Webster Hall in New York City. And man, like, what a show! What a friggin' show! And you know, I, I, you know, I'm glad that you know Steve Diggle is still out there doing his thing, and you know, they're still putting out music and whatnot. I mean, man, he's the last man standing now. Um, and good luck. I hope I hope you get that interview. That that would be rad, man. To talk to a I guy like so. that. You know, it was a cool moment. Like after the rebellion, I had a mutual friend. I was like, you know, just because it's kind of hard to get a hold of, I was like, just give him my number. And like after rebellion, like I did film enough live footage of their set, so there is a video of their live live set on my YouTube channel because I was I was hoping to get the interview and it just it just wasn't possible um but like it was really cool after the rebellion to get like a text from steve diggle of like hey <laughs> sure, <laughs> I was sure. Like, oh. <laughs> hey sometimes steve how's it going sometimes you just have to have like sometimes you just have to have a camera in your pocket like primed ready to go and like be like approach you know whoever it is and be like hey can i get five minutes and then have your you know and then it's also too it's like you're asking questions and it's like you want some good sound bites and it's like, you have to organize your sort of thoughts. What goes into that process? Do you actually like write things down or do you just sort of like, do you keep it loose and fluid? Like, how do you know um, sort of how to, you know, attack, attack an interview? Oh, no, I have questions prepared in advance and I, you know, I do hours of research to formulate these questions. 
Um, so that I'll, I'll have like just a knowledge of them outside of my questions so that the interviews can allow that space to be really fluid. Um, but I, I would sooner not do an interview before I would just go in completely cold Turkey and like, that's not happening. I would sooner not do it because I, I just, I won't put out the work that I do not feel is, is, you know, close to my to work that I just think is respectable. I just wouldn't do I've I've literally passed on interviews where they're like, we can do it. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm not prepared. Like, I would rather do this at a later point um, when I've had time to properly prepare for this. Wow. I, I, I respect that. I, I wish I could say the same, but I am i I'm a very impulsive person. Um, but uh, I know I respect that. I, I can appreciate that level of that. I mean, that's a level of, uh, you know, uh, quality of dedication to, to the craft, you know, um, well, you have to, I mean, it's, I, I've said this numerous times and I really stand by it that as a woman, you work twice as hard for half the credit. I see how I'm discredited and it's just now that like, because I'm starting to, to have enough good interviews on my show that like, it's, I'm not having to like prove myself as much to these artists, but I would see it where the artist will walk into the interview and I see the moment when it shifts that they're like, oh, wow, this girl actually is good and she's asking educated questions. And like, thankfully now my work is starting to speak for itself that I don't have to like really work so hard on that because I would see it when artists would walk in and they'd just be like, oh yeah, she's just an you know, attractive girl that's gonna ask me some questions. And it's like, no, 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 this is, you know, as it is now, I'm the only one that runs my show. I self shoot everything like, you know, back to that with the assistants. It just, so many of them didn't work out that, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have a little bit of help uh, when it's presented, like at the show on Saturday night, I, I did have some help, but like the help that usually I require is just basically holding the gear because I have my rhythm down so much of self shooting now. And it was, it was kind of a, a rough road to get there after you know, my ex-husband and I divorced and the show became just me. It, there definitely was like some growing pains with it, but it's like I have my rhythm down now and it's like a very well-oiled machine and anything, accidents that happen, uh, my editor cleans up and posts. Wow. I mean, hey, listen, get a workflow down or sometimes you got to adjust the workflow when, when, th when things take a right turn, left turn. Uh, let me ask you this. What about when, um, let's say that you are talking with an artist and you know, like maybe there's been like a recent controversy or there's something that might be, you know, like a tender subject or whatever. Um, will, ha do you sometimes like, have you ever tried to like lead the witness or do you have like a way of like n navigating or negotiating like, hey, I don't want to like not ask this question, but I also don't want to like turn off the interview subject from like future questions. Like, do you sort of like use a little psychology with how you're going to like, like maybe I'm not going to directly address something. I'll address something that's next to the thing just to see how they answer. Like, no, what, what, I, what do you do I, anybody that knows me knows that I have just never been sorry to say i've just never been that bitch that's gonna back down from that like if i'm gonna say it i'm just gonna say it like if you watch my interview with wadi um from the exploited um that interview did really well because i addressed the elephant in the room of like 
what is the deal with people? I, I told him I was like, I'm on your side. I do not think that this is true, but can you please um, address this of why so many people call you a Nazi? I don't think it's true. And he did. And like with every controversial, controversial interview that I've ever done, you know, like I'll just say it like, but I always try to make my standpoint known. Like, first of all, I would never interview somebody where I thought that they really did those things. Um, so I try to, first of all, make, make a choice of which side am I on? Um, as you know, because there's, there's only ever been one interview I pulled from my channel because it turned out that the guy was just such a fucking, sorry, can we swear later in it? Is it just, yeah, don't worry about it. Aaron, Aaron, don't, I, I don't, I don't want to make, I don't want to uh, freak, uh, uh, bug you out with that. It's, it's, I, you know, it's funny. I keep saying it to myself, like out loud. It's, it's, it's what I, plus we're in the middle of the episode. It's whatever. Do, do your thing. I think middle episode is fine. They just, they, they don't want you to do it like in the beginning. They don't. They, don't. they It's true. They don't. But don't. Please don't worry about that. You. I want you to be comfortable. Go. Go ahead. Talk. Talk. Dude. Well, so thing. the guy was just such a fucking liar, piece of shit. Um, because the bandmates came to me after, and where I knew that it was true was because I had done a tour with this person, and I don't give a shit. I'll call him out. It was Dusty from Stellar Corpses. Only interview I've ever pulled from my channel. Only one because he was a liar. And it just, it came out that like, it was just lies on my channel and it felt very unethical for me to keep that on there. And having done like an eight day tour with them and then having heard the side of the ex bandmates, like it was very clear to me who was telling the truth. And I was like, this is getting pulled. Um, but like, aside from that, every controversial interview that I've ever done has been, um, I, I made a choice of which side I was on. Uh, beforehand, like I did my due diligence, I asked around and made the best decision I could um, with the information I had of which side to be on. Um, and then just ask the freaking questions. And there's been artists where I've asked them in advance. I'm like, you know, I'm going to ask you this. I just want to prepare for you. I don't want you to be shocked. Um, so, you know, please take a think on it. I'm not trying to blindside you. And then there's been things in interviews that have happened where artists have said things they didn't mean to say because they felt very comfortable with me and I cut that out in post. They've politely asked me like, would you mind please cutting that out? And that's, not that's what's up. Yeah, it's not the intention of my show to, to vilify people. And if somebody says sure. something that they don't mean to say, like I'm I'm here for the bands. you like, this, sure. is, this is why I do this because I love it. Like, and so I, you know, I want to support them the best I can. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that's a great way to be, especially, you know, I, I've def yeah, I mean, that's that's the way you should do it is at the end of an interview would be like, hey, is there anything you said in here? If it's not, you know, live, sometimes it's live and then you don't, <laughs> you don't have a choice. But if it's not live, uh, you know, you just be like, is there anything I said here that, you know, or is there anything that you said that that you want stricken from the record? It's just that's just that's just broadcast journalistic ethics, whether you're doing it whether you went to school for it, whether you pick it up, like whatever the case may be, like, it's just, you know, it's like the code, right? Like, it's just the, just something you should kind of be doing. Um, so before you got, before you started getting into the YouTube thing, um, concurrently to like, you know, you were talking about Instagram stuff. So you were also, uh, you're also an actress and, and a model and stuff. And what, so what exactly is, and again, Oh, I, I don't know the full sort of run of it. What exactly, um, how, how did that all come together for you? Well, I started modeling and acting um, when I was like 
12 years old and I didn't get into punk until I was like 16. So it's it, that in itself too was always really funny to me of like, you know, I can understand people's side of it of why they might be confused about me, why they might question my authenticity and if I'm being genuine because, you know, the nature of the business as a model actress is, is like you are a mannequin you do what you're told as an art like there's a lot of other hands involved in that like when i do a film you're working with directors producers sure. hair and makeup artists wardrobe you know and all of these different things that have a say in the way you look whereas like when i am being myself the brand of hair miklo i do what i want to do and people often question which one is really me well they're all me but you know, when I'm just being myself, that's what a lot of you're gonna see like on my show, my Instagram, like nobody's telling me to spike my hair. And to be quite frank, it's a pain in the ass sometimes and it would be a lot faster if I didn't. What, what I have to know, what, so what goes into the spiking of the hair? You gotta, you gotta have, you have a hair can full of stuff and you gotta pull out the thing. Like, how does this work? How, how do you do it? Yeah, it's it's like sectioning and then you pull, you yeah. know, some hair and then you spray it mm -hmm. and, um, you know, then like blow dry it to get it to stay. And, you know, yeah, it does do a lot of damage to your hair. I take vitamins for my hair. I oh, take really? hair masks and, um, you know, spiking my hair a lot lately. I am seeing some hair loss. It's very real. I'm about to go get some laser hair treatments. It's like, Damn. So what happened? Okay. So what about this? So like, let's say you're out of show, you're having a great time. And I mean, you know, maybe you're like head banging or something like has, has there ever been any sort of, uh, uh, collision, um, accidental collision with your hair? Like, has it ever like, maybe like hit somebody in the eye or like, you know, but like crazy, has anything like crazy ever happened? Like that. Yeah, that's a real right. thing. Like I legitimately poke people in the eye. Like it's usually oh, wow. how it'll happen. It's like all the <laughs> it's a very real thing. It usually, sure. it usually happens that I'll be like tagging somebody, somebody over here will be like, hey Aaron, and the person next to me, I'll go, What? And the person next to me like, <laughs> like I will say my my ex-husband used to get so angry about it. Oh um, really? Because because like he didn't wear glasses or anything. And, like, <laughs> he get fucked in the eye all the time, but you know he kind of sucked, so it, he deserved it. So <laughs> I can just imagine be, like standing next to you and like not having any protective eyewear, and like a really good song comes on, and then like it's like, uh oh, you gotta watch, gotta watch out, gotta watch I know. out. My mom gets so pissed off too, like when we'll be out. Like, she? she loves my spiky hair and everything, but like my mom will get so angry because. Like she like she'll be like, let me put my sunglasses on. Um, so what is it? What got you into you got into punk when you were 16? I got I got into punk roughly the same. I was like 15 years old when I, I feel like that's like the 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 cut the generally speaking, I feel in a very gross general way, I feel like people get into punk like, you know, some in those early, like sort of teenage adolescent years. What was the thing that did it for you or what did you hear that sort of maybe like, you know, uh, curdled your mind and where you're like, yes, punk, I love punk, whatever. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's like getting slapped in the face. You hear it and it's, you're, you're angry. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have the, the best childhood. I was bullied a lot. I was, I was made fun of, um, 
you know, didn't have the, the most amazing relationship with some of my family members. So you're angry. You're fucking angry. And it was this guy in, and it's like, it's an outlet for your emotions, you know? And so it was this, sure. this guy that sat behind me in 10th grade. You know, we, we started to form a friendship. I think maybe he had like a little crush on me, but he was always just like so sweet to me. And he always had this punk jacket that he'd wear every day. And it had a big um, unseen black patch on it. And, you know, I remember asking him one day, I was like, you know, what is this jacket? You wear the same thing like every day. Like, what is this? And he explained it to me and then we'd start to talk about it. And then I think I remember at the time I, I was like playing with the idea of maybe wanting to, to be a musician. And I was like, oh, you know, girls, girls aren't in bands. I can't be in a band because I'm a girl. And he was like, he's like, I'm going to make you a CD of a bunch of really kick ass girl, girl punk bands. And he did. And I remember it was like Vice Squad which my show last rockers tv is named after the vice squad song and oh. then it was like devotchkas and he just he made me that and then he would start like bringing me music and then i remember like kind of starting to get into punk from that and i remember the unseen was coming to town and i said to him i was like hey that band on your jacket i saw they're coming to town do you want to go see them and he was like busy he didn't he couldn't go and i was like well i'm gonna go and like it was it was a drive for me like i i had a car and i could drive but it was in i grew up in florida and i lived in south tampa and it was in st petersburg which was like a 45 minute drive and i went out to the show and like for me that was it i was just like oh my god this is so cool like and i just went by myself and i remember like kind of like being there and like seeing people like i didn't know anybody and i was just like by myself and like okay and you then know, it, it just sorry, it felt like it, i felt welcomed I felt welcomed. You know, I say this often on my show and I, I just, I, it's just, it's just so tried and true. Um, you will have, if you, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you have to roll solo to a show, you will have the best time ever. You will meet people. You will make lifelong friends because usually you're seeing a band that you really like and they really like the band too and then it's like you're bonding with people that love the thing that you love and it's just a really great way to just meet people and then you see them every time that band comes to town it's like oh i'm gonna see my band friends who i know that go to these shows and hey what's up it's that sort of thing it's a it's it's a beautiful thing you know um it's also a sticky thing and just like hair gel to make the 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 liberty spikes stick up and you know what else is sticky stickers riot stickers uh and this channel is sponsored by riotstickers.com uh they are number one when it comes to the sticker business these stickers they have uh they're, they're printed on vinyl which makes them waterproof they have a uv coating which makes them uh immune to the sun and uh we're doing a special deal right here on the Frumis channel you can get a thousand riot stickers for $79. That's seven cents per sticker. Isn't that insane? Seven cents per sticker. Sharpie Riot, he must be crazy to do a deal like this because I got to tell you, you are not going to find a deal like this anywhere else. You're not going to find a thousand stickers for $79 anywhere else. Look at this. You get three inch by three inch stickers. Look, you got my little logo. You see my face. I got a bullet sticking out of my eye or something. Um, and uh, yeah, you can just print whatever you want. 
So if you're an artist, if you're a musician, if you're a filmmaker, whatever the case may be, if you have an iconography, look at the banner they printed up for me behind me right here. If you have iconography that needs to go on a sticker, look no further than riotstickers.com. You're only going to be able to find this deal in the link next to all of Aaron's Linktree stuff, which is also down in the description as well. You're only going to be able to get this deal down below in the description at riotstickers.com backslash from us. Like the name of this channel, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. Let's play the very quick 60-second Riot Stickers video. Uh, so this is where we take our 60-second break. This video is the, uh, the, the the guy from Less Than Jake wrote the song for this video. It's very catchy. Um, just be warned. Be, 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 beware, Aaron. It's very catchy. From Last Rockers TV with us, you definitely have seen her. If you if you watch any videos with like you know punk rock stuff on the West Coast in in the LA area, wherever uh, you you will see Aaron spikes. It's like a shark fin lurking about in the waters. Like dunna, dunna. she's always around. She's always there. She's always around. Um, but no, uh, this has been this has been a wonderful show. Uh, it's great to have Aaron on. I want to ask Aaron. She interviewed. Uh, one of our favorite subjects here on this channel. So I want to ask her about what that was like. Uh, you interviewed, uh, we we affectionately, we refer to Glenn Danzig as Uncle Glenn. We call Jerry only Uncle Jerry and Doyle is Cousin Doyle. Now they're not actually related to us or to me, but we still refer to them affectionately as Uncle Glenn, Uncle Jerry and Cousin Doyle. I saw on your channel that you interviewed Cousin Doyle. What was that like? Um, yeah, loyal Doyle. That's his other yeah. name. <laughs> He's very loyal. Um, that one was that was probably one of the biggest interviews of my channel, and that one was one of the ones that was absolutely the hardest to get. And oh. I just I could not. That was one where I took a risk, a big risk on that one to make that happen, and um, it, I couldn't get a confirmation in advance. I tried everything. I reached out to him on Instagram. I reached out to um, a mutual friend uh, that I had interviewed, Harley Flanagan from Promax, because I knew they were friends, and 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 Harley's wife slash manager Laura, because I had just dropped an interview with them and they were really happy with it. 
Um, so that one, I was like, okay, they're happy with my work. And I was like, can you put in a good word for me? I'm really trying to get this interview. Um, because I saw he was playing Rebellion Festival in England, which is one of my biggest events of the year. And then Cro-Max were also playing. So that's why I was like, maybe they can kind of help me out. Just say some good words. Like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a weirdo. I'm professional. Like, and I just, I just could not get any confirmation. But that was the one that I like wanted the most that weekend. Um, next, next to the Buzzcocks. Um, and for that one, I literally, I was like, I had done my, my homework and my due diligence. And I was like, I'm just going to prepare some questions. And, um, like I doing my homework, like, you know, obviously Doyle's vegan, I'm vegan as well. And I just saw that like his thing is like food because he's also, you know, he doesn't drink or do drugs or anything, but his thing is like food. And so I was like, all right, I get into the town Blackpool and like, you know, it's, it's going to be a marathon weekend for me. Biggest event of the year. I had so many interviews, but I was like, I grew up my, my MO. I've been to that festival three times now as I get in, I check into my Airbnb, my apartment, and then I go grocery shopping for the weekend because like, I don't have a whole lot of downtime to eat. So I kind of just like have stuff on hand. Um, and I was like, while I was shopping, I was like, I'm going to get him a vegan chocolate bar. Cause I, I saw in an interview when I was doing my research that he loves chocolate and being, chocolate. I was like, I was like, I'm just going to have this ready. And so the day he came and like, I knew it too, watching all the interviews I had on him. He does not hang out backstage. He is on the bus. He goes on stage plays, gets back on his bus. And so I was like, you know, I did my homework kind of new you know from what i could see and speculate um and so like he's he's nowhere to be found backstage i've kind of been like lurking around all day between filming and my other interviews of like where is he he can't be hiding and he you know of course like i predicted he was on the bus and doesn't come out until it's time to go on so he goes on and he plays his set and i'm in the photo pit shooting his set because i also shoot all the live footage and I'm like, this is my chance. I'm going to catch him. And I, I had that freaking chocolate bar ready. And he get off the stage. And like, before I ask, because you should always give before you ask for something from somebody. So before I ask, I said, like, Doyle, I have a gift for you. And he's like, I was like, it's chocolate. And he's like, and he like, I guess it's attention. And then we're kind of doing the walk and talk because he's being escorted back to his bus. So in like 60 seconds, I'm giving my pitch and I'm like, I'm a really big fan of yours. And I have 19 million views on YouTube and uh, 500,000 followers and like over 700 videos on my channel. Can I have like a little bit of your time for an interview, please? And he kind of looks at me and he's like, okay. And I, said, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And he's like, but we got to do it on my bus, which I knew he was going to do. Just even though I had a press room, there's no way he would have made it to my press room because he would have right. got stopped. Just in that like one minute walk from the stage to the bus, he got stopped like five times for pictures by other people. So there was no way. So I was like, sure, no problem. And I was like, give me 20 minutes. I'm going to, because this is a very large venue. I was like, I'm going to run back to my press room and grab all my gear. And then you can have some time to calm down after your set. And I'll be here in 20 minutes. So like I, you know, get on my shit, I'm running through, running through the halls at Rebellion. Like, I was like, oh my God, I'm so freaking nervous, but I'm ready. And like, you know, I get all my stuff. One of a uh, hater stops me on the way and like, oh my God, that was not the moment. And she called wait, me. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry to cut you off in the middle of your story. I just want, did you say a hater stopped you? Yeah, the way? A, a, this old house stops me to tell me that I'm a whore and I belong on the streets, street walking, working. Who the, like, who? 
I, okay, sorry. Continue your story. Continue your Literally story. Literally just yeah. a day in the freaking life. So what I'm the, like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I know. So as I'm running back, like first I was about to let it go, and then I run back at her and I get in her face and I yell at her and I say, "You don't fucking talk to me like that." And then I Damn right. grabbed all my shit and I was like, "I gotta go." And so I get all my shit, I go back, and I, I come to the bus and I'm like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a few minutes, and like there's other fans like waiting outside, and then the sure. bus door opens. The bus door opens like a spaceship, and I was like, "Hi, I'm back!" And like Doyle reaches down and grabs my big bag with like one hand. <laughs> <laughs> Those hands are big. You ever try to shake Doyle's hand? I've shake. I've gotten to shake Doyle's hand twice, and both times his whole hand grabs my hand. I feel like a little baby. I'm like, oh. it's not like these big callous, like. They're like gorilla paws. They're just <laughs> yeah. Um, was it? Tell me, was there? So on the bus, this is the thing that sucks about tour buses. There's so much bad audio noise sometimes. Like it could be. I've at least I've noticed sometimes it like picks up on the gear. Uh, did you have any issues with that, or was that like uh, that? That was okay. No, I mean, I I feel like I have a pretty good setup, and like from a lot of the. Um, artists that I've interviewed, they all like the ones that are sticklers for gear, like they'll do it. And Doyle totally did it. I set the mics up, and as I'm continuing to set up, he kind of lifts the windscreen on my mic to see what I was working with. And I got oh, yeah. approval because I work with um, the Shure SM58 mics, which is the industry standard. Yeah, um, good mic. Yeah, in addition to my Zoom 6 audio recorder. So he kind of lifts that and he's all, he's all, this is a good mic. And he's like, but you know, <laughs> Sure's coming out with the SM58 betas, which are even better. And I'm like, thank you, Doyle. I'm gonna look that up. So I got I got the seal of approval, and I have with other artists previously that are like sticklers for you know for for gear. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's what a great story. I mean, that's I mean that's and it's kind of fun. It's like it's almost like it's almost like a hunt, right? It's almost like you're. You know, you're, you 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 go out, you go on safari, you're in the wild, and you're trying to like, you know, get these. Uh, you know, I guess it's kind of ironic because you, know, you said you're vegan and whatnot, which is the antithesis of hunting. But this we're talking about about a different kind of hunt here, obviously. Uh, but just that, like, you know, you're 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 looking for your subject, and uh, you know, you get it, and that's that that's a that's a fun, that's a good trophy, that's a good kind of trophy to keep um what are some of your favorite uh vegan foods to eat do you have any like what is your sort of like uh are there any like like have you tried um do you guys have you guys have trader joe's out there right yeah i shop at trader joe's that's my that's the grocery store that's closest to me so, what, yeah. what what do you think i am not i am not vegan but i try to eat i try to eat um plant-based meals a lot yeah just because i don't know i just that's it's just healthy. how i am yeah, it's health because I know it's healthy. I, for a lot of reasons, I do it, but I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I have not committed to any sort of vegan lifestyle. But I always am on the prowl for really tasty plant-based options. I just like it. I like to have it in my diet. And I, um, you know, Trader Joe's has this beefless uh, Korean barbecue uh, beef. I don't know if you've had it. It's it's yeah meat. It's plant-based. Uh, it is really, really good. I highly, highly recommend it. I don't know what it's, I think it's made out of Satan. 
Satin well, I'm gonna I'm gonna burst your bubble and say that um my my plant-based vegan journey was uh for health and then you know it also became more about the animals as well. So with that, when I shifted my diet, I'm mostly yeah. gluten-free, it became about cutting processed foods. And um so I, I don't I don't fuck with the fake meats because they're highly processed. Oh uh, interesting. So like, and and being gluten-free, I can't even do seitan. Um, because it's it's gluten not gluten free. Oh wow! Yeah, Damn. so I just I'm not down with it. Like I'm real and like you know my I try to be really clean with my diet. I'm kind of like a health mm -hmm. nut, so it's you know I eat as much organic as possible. Like it's like I don't want those pesticides. Get that shit away from me. Uh, what is um? I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead, continue. Oh no worries. It's just a lot of like no no refined sugars and things like that too. I'm like I just, I look at the ingredients and if it has, oh sorry, my battery died. If it has like a lot of ingredients, I don't want it. It's gross. Um, that's, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. So what is, so like what to you, what is like a, just like a slamming like snack where you're like, you know, or like a meal that you're like, oh yes, like this is the, the thing, like, I'm going to the store and I'm getting the thing and I'm going to cook it and enjoy it. You know, if you have something like that, what is that for you? I mean, probably when we get off of this tonight, I'm going to make some falafel with a salad. Like Trader Joe's has these really good falafels uh, that I like. My <laughs> wife, my wife is, uh, my wife is Israeli and she lives on falafel. She loves Loves, loves. I like falafels a lot because they're they're usually gluten free for the most part. Like sure. I'm not celiac, sure. so like a small amount of gluten is okay. And, and you know they're not they're they're made with like chickpeas and then like spices. Right. So it's you know I would consider that like reasonably healthy. Like it's not something that's like highly processed of like these fake meats and these fake cheeses. I mean obviously like if you're not plant-based and you have the choice between like a fake meat and like a meat i i would say the plant-based is healthier but you know for me especially like the amount of things that i do in a day like it was all the more reason to clean my diet up because i was like there's it's the only way i'm gonna make it <laughs> sure so so does that like so you so it's like a lot of like you must eat like oh do you eat like a lot of fruit though like because fruit well fruit is not processed sugar it's like yeah, uh, no like that's natural, like a like healthy fruit. sugar like I'm yeah. I'm definitely like close to a raw vegan like I I enjoy cooked food a lot but yeah a lot of the stuff I eat is like salads and smoothies like I I'm down with the avocado toast with like some sprouts some tomatoes. Oh. I love avocado toast. Really, yeah, good. and it's. I mean, it's a little harder like to get a gluten-free vegan bread because a lot sure. of breads have egg in them. So it's, you know, it was something that they're not the best breads in the world. But for me, it was like cool. I get to at least have bread sometimes because I I had just kind of resigned to cool. I guess I don't get bread anymore. <laughs> so I, I know you just said you, you you stay away from refined sugar. So maybe this is a catch twenty-two. But I was about to say like so what is like does vegan junk food have anything like vegan like candy have anything to offer like is there any like really good like delicious like vegan sort of uh vegan based um uh, uh candy out there that you're that you're aware of 
I mean, I may, I'm, I, I really enjoy like a good like dark chocolate vegan bar, but like a lot yeah. of those too, if you do read the labels, some are healthier than others, but yeah, they do have some processed sugars in it. So ideally mm. for me, like if I want something sweet, like I do make some good vegan desserts, like a quick one I would do would just be like some peanut butter with some raw cacao powder, which is high in antioxidants and then like some maple mm. syrup to sweeten it. Or yeah. like the other night, um, I made like treats to bring to that show because I had the time and it was a bigger show. So this one treat that I make that like even non-vegan people really love, it's it's almonds and they're like little truffle balls. So it's almonds, raw cacao, coconut oil, um, a little bit of stevia, salt, and then I roll it in coconut flakes. And like, I swear it's, it's always a hit. Like non-vegan people love it and it's just really, really rich. Sounds like, you know, it kind of sounds like uh, very similar to, um, it's called the keto bomb. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, well, it's, they're usually, they're usually coconut oil based, but yeah. it's a way that like uh, people who are on like a keto based diet, they get like, uh, uh, they get fat that way in, in that, the good kind of fat, I guess. Yeah. That works. I um, heard this um, chocolate bar the other night. Uh, it was it came from Pavilions and it um, it had delivered and it was really good. And on the label it said like only six ingredients and it was like coconut sugar and it said like keto paleo friendly or whatever. Oh. It was good. It was really good. Man, you know that's the problem with with you know uh, that's the problem with you know trying to eat straight. It's like you got a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy that goes into it. You gotta you know do your homework. You got to be aware. You got to read labels and things. It's like, it could be, you know, but the the backside, the downside is, is like when you put anything in your body, <laughs> and I should know because that's what I am like. I'm like the, I am a sugar addict. Like I love, like right now I'm kind of on like a sugar, a new year's, a new year's sugar cleanse. I don't talk about it live on the channel very often, but I, yeah, I'm like kind of doing it. It's like a little rough because, you know, yeah, you eat too much sugar. Like, if you yeah, can get over that hump, like once you cut the sugar, then um, you don't crave it as much. If you can just get over the hump. You know why? Because you're, when you eat too much sugar, your gut bacteria, which is, you know, they say the stomach is the second brain. I, I you know that's true somewhere. I read that somewhere online. Your gut is the second brain. What that means though is, it releases certain chemicals or something that go to your brain. And then your brain is like, okay, eat more sugar. Cause that's what the gut bacteria want. And then if you starve out the gut bacteria, then you don't crave the sugar. So I've been there. I know that exists, but you know, uh, just, just going, going through the motions. It's, you know, I look forward to the coffee in the morning. Coffee has been my, uh, my, my souls, my, my go-to the, uh, eternal bitter black that that gets me gets me through the morning um yeah. do you are so are you a coffee person or do you stay away from caffeine as well i i am a, i like espresso and i like very strong coffee like if it's not strong i i just don't even want it I, like i had a really good coffee this morning at this coffee shop in uh west hollywood i i get like four shots of espresso it was so good what was it like you said you started off in you started off in uh, Florida and you made your way out to LA. What was like for you, what was like the biggest like culture shock coming to the West coast? Was it like um, in terms of like the culture, how, how were things different? Would you say? 
I mean, you know, I moved out here to start life. Like I was 18 years old. Like I came out here two days after graduating high school. So it's like, I just didn't have much life experience in general. I mean, I had, I had some, and like I said, you know, I had a rough childhood. So that, that hardened me in different ways. Um, and I was always a very independent child growing up and my mother and I traveled a lot when, from a very young age. Like I was already traveling internationally by the time I was like eight years old. So I think I had just seen a lot and, uh, you know, I was, it just was ready. Like I, I had already lived a very hardened and full life. So it was like, it's not really that shocking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean, I don't because I don't, I'm not really spend that much time on the West Coast in terms of like knowing what the West Coast is like. But yes, I do know, I do know what you mean, but I don't know that much about the West Coast. It's sort of like a elusive thing. I've gone out there a few times, um, but I've been mostly uh, East Coast based. Well, that's not true. I spent, spent some time in Chicago. Love Chicago. Great city. Um, yeah. But well, there's man. a lot of opportunity out here. I mean, like, sure. for me, I, I had to get out of Florida because I was getting in trouble. Like, I was arrested three times in six months at the Damn. age of 17. Damn. And, you know, it was like they were in different counties. And it was like, oh, my God, I got to get off of probation before I get violation of probation. And I go to jail. And, like, I graduated. And I was just like, I got to get the F out of here because I this is it's not good for me. I was getting in trouble because I was bored. And. You know, but with that, I was I was an honor student. I had hobbies. I started sewing at 17 years old and making my own clothes and things like that. But I was just out of boredom and out of the laws in Florida being very strict. Like basically my arrest charges were um, uh, possession of alcohol, which if you're under 18 years old in Florida, you get arrested if you're found with alcohol. And if you're over the age of 18, you just get a ticket. Like, it's just like, there's, there was a book that I read when I was going through my arrests and it had talked about this, that in, in the United States, Florida has some of the strictest and most backwards laws. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it so, does. I was just like, I got to get out of here. Like, you know, this is not good for me. I didn't fit in there either, you know, like it just, it, it just wasn't where I was meant to be. And it was like my mother and I had spent a summer in LA when I was 14 years old. Um, and we lived at the Sophie Tell across from the Beverly Center because she had gotten a big settlement within her company where every woman was got a settlement because another woman in the company had like sued them. And, you know, it was like a sexual harassment case. And we came out here because I was starting to do modeling and acting and you know, we came out and she was working remotely. Um, she works with the stock market. And then I would kind of run around LA. Like I'd get on the 25 cent dash bus and like go up to Hollywood Boulevard at like 14 years old. And my mom would just be like, okay, be safe. It's like, okay. You can always start a crazy sentence with a single word, Florida. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> Yes. You just you could start. You could just that's that's how that's how it kind of um, start. So what are like what is immediately sort of coming up? Like, do you have any sort of long term goals that you're working on with the channel specifically or like yeah. what is what where do you or, or what are you striving for right now in, in, in that space? I mean, you know, every year I make my, my goals lists. I'm, you know, it's, I, I work well with lists and I think that to make things a reality, you have to 
really say it out loud and put the intentions there. You need to put it on paper. You need to sure. say it out loud and not be afraid of that because it's the only way that those things can come to fruition. Um, so, I mean, just in regards to the channel, my goal every year has been, you know, to, to hit X number of subscribers. And um, I mean, this year, I, I think it's a real goal that I can hopefully hit my hundred thousand subscribers and get my plaque from YouTube. Cause you know, when you get, you get a hundred thousand, YouTube sends you a really nice plaque. And, yeah. like, hey, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that this year that's, you know, a realistic goal to have. And then every year it's always just to get, to get bigger, more established artists on my show. And that doesn't mean that I won't interview small artists. Like I have a lot of diversity on my show and that's important to me too. I interview artists that I think are talented and that need to be seen. But obviously the larger artists are important too because it's what grows the channel. Yeah, for sure. And you know, a great band you should check out. I had them on my show. Uh, I found them on Spotify and I absolutely love them and I love singing their praises. They're, they're over in England right now. Um, but I would almost kind of, I would compare them. It's almost like, uh, it's like the Ramones and the Buzzcocks meet the strokes. They're called, you might've even heard of them already. They're called, uh, bad nerves. And I just absolutely love their self-titled album. It's really, really great. You should totally, totally check them out. They're really, really cool guys. Really great. Yeah, band. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I've heard of them, but that is a really cool name. So I'll definitely have to check them out. Uh, please do. Please keep them on your radar because I think they're going to be huge. They just are they from over in your area? They're, no, they're from they're from London. Okay. okay. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know if they would fit. I guess maybe they would fit in on like rebellion on a rebellion fest. They kind of, you know, they straddle. It's funny. They're almost kind of like garage rock. That'd be garage mm -hmm. punk that like meets you know i don't know i don't know how else to describe their sound it's it's just a really they have really really catchy infectious songs really great melodies yeah. really there's great a music. lot of that in london though like having spent a lot of time over there you know being in my work with rebellion festivals every year i fly into london i stay for a few days and i've got you know some good friends there I've noticed that that's kind of a trend for their scene over there. Like there's another band that I've interviewed that sounds like the way you describe garage rock, like catchy songs. There's another band called Ariel Salad that is very like that. Oh, I'm um, going to check that out. I'm going to write that down right now. Ariel Salad, A lot of bands over there doing that. Like it's, it's just trendy for their kind of scene, you know? Hmm. Ariel Salad, like Ariel, like, like. Like the system a, of a down song. I don't know. A Ariel. <laughs> not like Ariel, like A E R I. Yes, yes, yes. A A L. Ariel salad. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Cool. I, I will. I will definitely check that out because I like. I definitely like. Um, I like music like that. Um, I gotta say, man, it's really great to talk to you and just like pick your brain. Oh, one other thing. Two other things. Okay, two other things. We're gonna wrap this up. First of all, let me ask you the big question. Is pizza punk, in your yeah, opinion? I think and, so. Okay, why is it punk, in your opinion? I don't, you know, that is a thing. I don't know why, but it, it's just, I always just think of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Sure. I, always, I think of that, I think of them like eating the pizza like this, you know, and I don't know what it is about like pizza and like why that correlates to punk. Maybe just, I, I don't, I don't know, but it, it just does, it just does like, it just does. 
that that works for me. I I have never I've asked that question. I don't know how many. I don't keep track of these episodes. We've done a bunch of episodes of these show, like lot. We have lots of guests, and I've never gotten the same answer twice. And I love that about this question. That yeah. like somehow, even though the answer is really only yes or no, like I've just never gotten the same exact answer. And it's just great. It's a very subjective question. Every, every answer is different and varied, and that's why I love it so much. The other thing I wanted to ask you, just I'm just curious to know what when you were when you were growing your channel, as you've grown your channel, it's been grown to very impressive numbers up to this point. Um, I mean, really, it's tremendous. Uh, when did you start to notice like big jumps in your numbers? Or has it always been sort of like a steady incline? Did you ever did you ever like notice like any spikes? Like was it were there specific videos that caused spikes? Or has it just been like, hey, I'm consistently doing these interviews, going out there, grinding, uh, you know, putting out content frequently. How often do you upload? Like, wh like what what has been some of that sort of those sort of factors for you to sort of um, grow yourself? I mean, the biggest spikes usually come from when um, some of the larger artists will share the interview. Like, um, unfortunately, right. in, in like the beginning of my channel, like artists didn't always share it, which would frustrate me because I'm like, man, like I really need to piggyback on these followers. And like, I was just like, all right, well, I'll just keep working. Like, you know, I, I've always been consistent. Like I'll never stop working, but like, it's always helpful and appreciated. Like, like when I dropped the Crow, Crow Mags interview did really well because Carly shared the shit out of it. Um, and it was a good interview also. And um, he really opened up and talked about a lot of things. Doyle did me a spot and he was really good and he shared it. And that interview brought a lot of new subscribers to the nice. channel. It's one of my most viewed interviews this year because he shared it. Um, and like only even aside from outside story sharing, like sharing it on the main feed. Um, it's just, it helps so much. It really sure. does. Um, so those ones always create spikes. Like when my exploited interview, that one has so many views because Wadi shared it, um, on all the main feeds of the exploited pages. And in addition to like, you know, it's, it brings that traffic and, and it has to be that the interview has to be good. Also like asking him those controversial questions about like, you know, can you please speak on how people call you a Nazi? You know, because it's, it's right, not true. Right. Um, it just you know, it's it's a mix of all of it, and then it's a mix of the YouTube algorithms being in your favor of like you know, it's within those first couple of days if YouTube sees that a lot of people are watching something, they'll they'll suggest it to other people, and to this day, those most viewed interviews continue to rack in views because YouTube's algorithms are suggesting it because they see it's popular. So it's a lot of things working all at once. That's that is incredibly useful information, Aaron. Thank you. Uh, I really want to thank Aaron so much for coming on. I mean, listen, she she worked really. She was she's working all day. She, she uh, you know busting her ass. She gets on. She finishes. She get she puts on the hair, which again must be like it, it looks like a process to me as someone who does very little with their hair. I put it under a hat. Uh, I'm not proud of that fact. I'm just neither is my wife, by the way. But like you know, just 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 to put out like that, I understand, I recognize the 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 effort that goes into into such uh, endeavors, and just want to thank her so much. And and again, congratulations on all your wonderful success. Just keep on keep on grinding it, man. I mean, you're you're I'm again as a as a tiny little channel, I am watching and and taking notes and just sort of like seeing how you do this. It's like you know, 
I'm, I'm aspiring to operate in a similar space. And, you know, it's just, it's inspiring to watch you do what you do. So Thank I think you. it's great. Um, you got this. You could do it. I mean, I'm you, trying. I'm trying. Got a lot of, you have a lot of videos too. And like you have a really respectable subscriber count. It's Thank it's you. hard. It's hard to it's rack hard. in subscribers. I will say get get on the YouTube shorts because that did a lot for I, me. So, okay. So, the, so what it I've did. been doing. Uh, yeah. So what I've been doing is I kind of hate doing this because I hate making YouTube shorts. But I have seen, I have gotten like a million views in the last like three months from the shorts just reacting to shorts i react to shorts i rip the shorts i upload them to TikTok, and i upload them to instagram and here's what's really crazy i have i have like five or six shorts that have done over like one of them is 4.2 million one of them is like they get millions they get millions and millions of views on TikTok, and i'm like what the fuck? Like, I, there's no rhyme or reason to this. Like, I'm trying to under, I'm trying to track. I'm like, okay, how can I like, how can I logically understand this formula so that I can replicate it as I like grow? But YouTube sent me an email and was like, dude, if you do shorts, it will bring you, uh, it will increase your numbers. So I listened to YouTube, but now I am a slave to the shorts. Yeah. Like, I'm constantly making the shorts. I hate doing it. Yeah, well, the nice <laughs> thing now is like, I don't know if I'm sure you got the emails as, as a fellow YouTuber that finally starting February. Yes. YouTube oh my God. Thank you God. Can monetize them. Yes. I was sitting there. I was sitting there, you know, I've had my, you know, I have a monetized channel and I get, you know, this is how I, I, you know, get passive revenue from, from my videos. And I got to tell you, I'm sitting there kind of like, you know, like I'm looking at how like a seven second video instantaneously gets me 50 hours of watch time. Because for those of you who are not aware, views don't really mean shit to YouTube. YouTube, all they care about is watch hours. So when you have a video, you can have a video that's like, you know, a lot of the videos on this channel are like three hours long and they only have a couple hundred views, but I have over a thousand watch hours. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, it, it does not always equate and translate. And I'm sitting there going like, oh my God, all these shorts are racking up all this stuff. And I can't even get, I'm not even in the shorts fund. What the heck? And um, finally that has changed. So. Yeah. I mean, the same, like this year, like I did, I did VidCon, which was a big, it's a big convention. Oh, yeah, yeah. How was that? That I, I've heard of that thing. I, I was invited to demonstrate at VidCon. Somebody I, I walked into uh, my a friend of mine here in LA that does a lot of um, creators parties because he's a producer. He invited me to this party. I walk in with my hair spiked, and they were just like, "Oh my god, we want to hire you to do Dude, your hair." The hair spiked. The hair. The hair. It's your brand. It this paid, is your brand. They paid me to do my hair at the booth, and and it exposed me to being at VidCon. And then my friend um, that had invited me to that party, he had a wristband for me to get into all the gifting suites at the Hill Inn. And like, it's, it was just such a great networking opportunity um, and getting to, to speak to other creators and things like they were like, oh my God, you have to get on the YouTube shorts. Like they're about to explode because they're trying to rival TikTok. Yeah. And I got on them and just basically started uploading my TikTok videos. Like I took some of my, like my most popular TikTok video has like over 20 million views. And it's again, doing my hair. And it like, I, I just started uploading them and it doubled my subscriber count in, in almost a freaking month. It was crazy. You know what, in all honesty, I, I know you call them Liberty Spikes, but 
again, like as the fact that it's part of your like panache, you should just like when someone asks you, like when when someone like me is who like doesn't know is like, hey, so like what's up with your spikes? Like what are they? You should just straight up be like, these are my Aaron spikes. Like with <laughs> these are my Aaron spikes. That's it. Like who can liberty, liberty spikes, whatever. You should just call them these are your air, these are your proprietary Aaron spikes. So I tell you, I don't see anybody with Liberty Spikes. I don't see anybody out there. I just see you with the with the with the Aaron Spikes. So from now on, they're Aaron Spikes. I hereby declare these as Aaron Spikes. Call it a day. That's it. They're Aaron Spikes. So um, all right, let's wrap this up. Thank you so much, guys. Check out, I mean, listen, Aaron is a Aaron has a, a, a substantial channel already. She doesn't need my my rinky dink plug, but I'm going to anyway, of course. Um, check out all things Aaron down below in the description. And so the link tree down below is is in the description here. Check out her her video. She's got lots of interviews. As she said, you got Harley Flanagan from the Chromex, you got Doyle, she got Waddy. Um, she's got lots of uh I saw, I even saw I saw a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, lots of videos. Check it all out. Uh, as we say on this channel, uh, peace, hair grease, and we will see you. Actually, tomorrow night, Sharpie Riot is going, is coming on the show, and we are doing a very special, mis we do a lot of Misfits nerd content here. We're going to talk about something very, very nerdy and Misfitsy tomorrow night. Who should have sang for the Misfits after Michael Graves left the Misfits in the year 2000? We compiled our own top five lists, and they will shock you. I don't even know what Sharpies is. We're going to read them to each other on the air. Yes, we are nerds. Whatever. We don't care because we're teenagers from Mars. Okay, we're saying goodbye. Aaron, hold on one second.